Good evening, it is 5 p.m. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, and you're listening to Kingston Currents here on CFRC 101.9 FM. CFRC's news programming is brought to you by the local journalism initiative, Queen's University, What I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. To start us off, we have a few local news headlines. In a message from the City of Kingston, apply now for community exhibit space at City Hall. As part of the City's Your Stories, Our Histories program, community organizations are encouraged to tell their stories in their words in a newly available exhibit space at City Hall. Community exhibits within the program will feature stories of the people, events, or groups that have shaped Kingston. Your Stories our histories started as a public engagement process in 2018 to address the legacy of Sir John A. Macdonald and foster community discussions about how and by whom Kingston stories are told. The programming is evolving to offer free exhibit space at City Hall for the community to tell their stories. Miranda Riley, acting curator for the city's Heritage Services Department, explains, Your Stories, Our Histories began with community conversations to understand which stories are underrepresented or less known within Kingston's cultural heritage. We're excited to expand the program to reflect a broader range of community voices and experiences. Your Stories, Our Histories exhibits will last approximately eight months to one year and will be installed each spring. The City of Kingston will provide exhibition space at no charge. There is currently one small exhibition space to display written stories and physical items. Applications will be accepted on a rolling basis. A general theme, story, or message is required for the application, but exhibit text does not need to be finalized to apply. Applicants will work with city staff to develop and edit exhibition text. Interested groups can find more information about the project and apply on Get Involved Kingston. City staff will select the first applicant in early December 2023 and install the exhibit in spring 2024. These community exhibits are connected to priority in Kingston's strategic plan to drive inclusive economic growth by fostering culture, history, education, arts, and recreation. Annual Nighttime Santa Parade returns to kick off the holiday season. In a message from the Downtown Kingston BIA, the magic of the holiday season is just around the corner as we welcome Santa and Mrs. Claus back to town at the Nighttime Santa Parade. This beloved annual event will take place on this Saturday, November 18th at 5 p.m. and is expected to be a joyful and festive occasion for families and individuals of all ages. This year, the Nighttime Santa Parade will feature a spectacular procession of over 90 participating organizations, including many first-timers, promising an exciting and fresh experience for spectators. The parade will leave from Innovation Park, traveling down Princess Street, and concluding at Ontario Street, showcasing a dazzling display of holiday lights, music, and enchanting floats. In the spirit of giving, the parade will continue its tradition of community support. The Partners in Mission Food Bank will lead the parade, collecting non-perishable food items from spectators along the route. Canada Post will follow closely behind, so have your letters to Santa ready. One of the most anticipated moments of the evening will be when Santa himself helps flip the switch to illuminate the city's official holiday tree in Springer Market Square, immediately following the parade. The tree lighting ceremony promises to be a heartwarming and magical experience, setting the stage for a season filled with joy and togetherness. The Nighttime Santa Parade is a free and family-friendly event that captures the essence of the holiday season, making it a cherished tradition for Kingston residents and visitors alike. For more information and updates from the Nighttime Santa Parade, you can visit downtownkingston.ca. The Banry Center at Queen's Campus is preparing to celebrate its 50th anniversary in October of 2024. The center helps women-identified students of all ages, especially those who are returning to university after time away, to continue formal or informal education. The center is very unique and the only one of its kind in Canada. I sat down with Susan Bellier, director of the Banry Center, to talk about the center and the upcoming 50th anniversary. Here's just a bit of our conversation. To start us off, I was wondering if you'd like to introduce yourself and maybe share a bit about your role as director at the center. Sure. My name's Susan Bellier, and I am the director of the Banray Center. I've been the director since 2019, 
And so I had a full year in before COVID lockdowns hit and then the whole COVID thing. And then now we're back on track. Um, I often tell people I have the best job on campus. And one of the things that makes this job really special to me is that I um, completed a PhD as a mature woman student at Queens oh, wow. and mm -hmm. wrote about maybe a third of my dissertation in the Ban Rhee Center at one of the workspaces, ate the soup, made friends, um, you know, became part of a community of peers there. So when this job became available, I, uh, I jumped at the chance to apply for it because it was such, I already knew what an amazing place it was. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. What like a awesome full circle kind of moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to give our listeners some background for those who aren't super familiar with the Banry Center, I was wondering if you could get a bit into the conception and the history of the center. The Banry Center is at 32 Bader Lane, um, right beside Banry Hall, which people, more people know. It's the uh, residence and dining hall. Banry Center is a small brick house, a little brown brick house. And for the last 49 years, it's been a center that has provided supports and services to mature women students returning to school after a break, after some time away. And um, from the very beginning, it was um, it was intended to serve a group of students who uh, were a little unusual on campus at Queens, right? A little bit older than their typical student. Um, these might be students who have had um, workplace experience or they've raised kids or they have young kids or just, you know, different circumstances that set them a little bit apart from your typical Queens group. Now, in 50 years, nearly 50 years, that cohort has changed significantly, right? It used to be mostly women who had, you know, not gone to university, had stayed home to raise their family, and then were going to come back and try to do a degree after that. Now our students do still include a few women who would fit that profile, but um, it's really any student who self-identifies as a woman who has a gap of two or more years in their formal education, probably half the students that we regularly see are international students, half or more are graduate students. They come from every department, every faculty, part-time, full-time. We work with online and in-person students. It's really um, anybody who meets our, our criteria. I mean, the center really is one of a kind. I was wondering if you could explain what makes Banry Center unique in the resources it provides and how the center has helped to support women-identified students over these 50 years. The center is unique in that we have, for like since its inception, been committed to providing a real sort of wraparound approach to student support. We're a child-friendly friendly space, so people can bring their kids in with them, Um we work with lots of moms. We work with mature students from all faculties, as I've mentioned. You really have to visit to get a sense of what makes us special. But really, I think in an increasingly busy and sometimes impersonal world, such as our campuses are all becoming these days, um, everything's so busy, everything's kind of um, high intensity, a place like the Banry Center provides uh, a little bit of an oasis. You can just, anyone can just walk through the door. You don't need an appointment. You come in, someone can show you around. You get to know the space. You'll be introduced to some people. We have two amazing student advisors you can speak with, either drop in or make an appointment to see. I'm often available to chat. There's other students who are happy to chat. We offer um, one of our foundational 
programs that really brings people together. So we have a free lunch for students every day. And um, whether students need it because they're food insecure or whether students just appreciate it because who doesn't love having someone else cook lunch for you every day, um, it creates an opportunity for students to come together in our lounge, meet one another across disciplines, across different life experiences, over a warm bowl of soup. Staff try to be available to hang out a little bit then too. And it's just, um, it's one of our, one of our best things that we do. And it really sets us apart in a way. Getting a bit more into the anniversary this year, it's a very special year for you guys, 50 years. I was wondering how it feels to be reaching this milestone as the director. I am so privileged to be in the position as director as we head into this uh, milestone year. Right now we're in our 49th year and everything we do this year leads us to our 50th anniversary, which will be in October of 2024. And I'm just so privileged to be the one who gets to see this through. Although I have to say that I would do a pretty poor job if it wasn't for the fabulous staff team that I have working with me. And um, as well as the support from the students, including students who work for us, but also just the students who hang out and uh, keep the place lively and engaged. Um, and of course, we have amazing community donors and alumni who support us. It really is a team thing. And I'm just really lucky to be the one who gets to sort of, you know, head this thing up as we as we move through. Bellier also got into the recent launch of this year's Who Is She campaign. I believe last Friday was the official launch of Who Is She, Your Inspiring Woman fundraising and outreach campaign for the 50th anniversary. I was wondering if you could talk a bit about this campaign. Yeah, um, actually, the Who Is She campaign was first launched about... I think 12 or 13 years ago. And it was the single biggest sort of outreach friend building campaign that the Banry Center ever did. Um, times have changed and now we're in a very digital age. And so um, the whole, the campaign looks and feels quite different, but the principle remains the same. People, everybody who wants to are welcome to make a tribute um, to write a short tribute to a woman in their life who has been inspiring. It could be your mother, a sister, a mentor, a teacher. Uh, it could be your own daughter. It could be any woman who has played an important role in your life. And whether that was a one-off thing, right? Like your grade three teacher who told you you could be a writer. And then that was the little gem you held on to for your entire life. Or whether it's, you know, your sister who's had your back every day of your life and you know she's your ride or die and there's there's no question. Um, we've received, we have a number of these tributes already and, and there's some coming in as we speak. And it's just lovely to see people reflecting on the women who have been important in their lives. It, I think we all have somebody, right? We all have somebody who's made a difference who has, um, you know, gone a bit above and beyond and has just, you know, been a model or or been had your back. Um, so that's the principle of this. So people, they log in through our, through our website or through a link in our newsletter and they can fill out the tribute and their information and then they can make a donation in honor of the woman that they're, that they're um, making a tribute to, the woman that they're honoring. Um, and there's no, no, no donation is too small. So we're trying to make it as inclusive as possible, but this is a way that you can 
you know, pay it, pay it back to a woman who's been inspiring to you and pay it forward at the same time by helping to contribute to our capacity to continue to support mature women students at Queen's. I was wondering if you could also get into what kind of events you have coming up. Sure, I can give you a a little bit of a sneak preview on that. Um, Virtually all the events and programming that we have going on over the next year will be sort of tied to preparing for the 50th in some way or another. Um, We have a winter bazaar coming up in early December, December 7th, which is an event for students with dependent children. And they come and we have a big feast and there's children's activities and it's a very, very fun thing. Um, We're going to have a Valentine's Day, some Valentine's Day programming. We'll do some March 8th International Women's Day programming. There's going to be some big Mother's Day programming in May. Um, And then in between it all, we have our regular programming. We have our regular soups. We have some, um, you know, some um, workshops with with different different partners and stakeholders on campus. But the big the big gala event is on the uh, is in next next October. Um, And we're really looking forward to that. Yeah, awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, And how will the funds raised throughout these efforts support the center and your mission? We're constantly fundraising. Um, We do rely on fundraising to pay for our operations and for our bursaries. One of the things that we are able to do is to provide emergency bursaries to the students that we work with um, if they're in financial difficulty. And as you can imagine, cost of food, cost of housing, all the costs these days, it's the need keeps growing. And so one of our hopes is that this fundraising campaign will provide us a bit more money that we can funnel into that. And um, other funds will go into our general operations. And we're hoping that this Who Is She campaign and the attention on our 50th will actually grow our broad base of support in the community and at Queen's, which will help to increase our fundraising and outreach capacity in the future. One of the things that we do that's a little different than many of the other um, offices on campus, because so many of our students have kids or, or dependents or they're older, they may have spouses, they may have different life situations, we rely on having good community connections as well as campus connections and able to do referrals. And so it's really important to us that we're always doing outreach into the community as well as on campus so that we have the connections to things like the Boys and Girls Club, things like the Y, like the different kinds of resources that our students might need that that aren't found at Queen's. Right. So it's important for us to always keep our support base really broad. Absolutely. And just so folks can be aware, how long is the Who Is She campaign specifically running for? Well, we would love for this to kick off really hard and do really great between now and Christmas. But the Who Is She fundraising campaign is actually going to continue until June. And we will be sort of rebooting it with a Valentine's Day event, with an International Women's Day event, with a Mother's Day event, and try to um, use those occasions to remind people that they can um, honor an important woman in their life by contributing to the Who Is She campaign. And you don't have to just contribute once. I nominated somebody 
for mine, I nominated Laura Donifer, who's a local artist who is a mentor of mine um, and a close, close friend. And I love her. And I was very happy with that nomination. But since I started thinking about it, now I have other people who I would also like to nominate. So I may be doing more than one. And I encourage uh, anybody who thinks that they have more than one truly inspiring woman in their life can, can you know, revisit the campaign throughout the year. Absolutely. And um, just to finish this off, I was wondering how folks can seek out the resources provided by the center uh, or support the Bannery Center as you continue beyond this milestone. Sure. Well, students who think that they might find us interesting or helpful can just walk in, uh, walk through the doors at 32 Bader Lane and Monday to Friday from nine to four and somebody will greet you and you'll be given a tour and you can meet a student advisor and see if it's going to be a place that helps uh, um, that'll be supportive to you. In terms of supporters who aren't necessarily in need of the services, um, you can find through our website, um, there's a donation page, which will, uh, who is she specific donations page, which will take you to that portal that lets you engage in that campaign. Um, and you're also welcome, everybody's welcome to join our community newsletter so you can stay up to date with the things we're doing. And that link's on our web page as well. I do want to just mention, I forgot to mention this, sorry, um, that the tributes from the Who Is She campaign will be featured at the gala event. There will be some kind of physical display of maybe full tributes, maybe quotes from the tributes. We're not sure exactly what it's going to look like until we know how many we're dealing with. But there is going to be um, a chance where it all comes together and all these amazing tributes to all these inspiring, amazing women are going to be all together in one place. And that's going to make it really spectacular. For more details about the Who Is She campaign and to learn more about the Bannery Center, be sure to visit their webpage located at queensu.ca. On this Thursday, November 16th, Trellis HIV and Community Care will be raising money with the Integrated Care Hub via a concert at the Broom Factory. The event, entitled The Two Things Missing Project, will feature up-and-coming Kingston hip-hop musicians. The goal of the event is to raise $10,000, which will be used to create winter survival kits to help keep unhoused folks warm during the winter. The evening will also provide an opportunity for attendees to speak with people who are facing the drug poisoning crisis head-on. Expert Justine McIsaac will also take the stage to speak to the housing crisis and the need for safe supply. Justine runs the Consumption Treatment Center and is an expert in her field. In addition to performers and speakers, free training on how to administer the life-saving naloxone medication will be offered, and this will include a free naloxone kit to take home. I sat down with Keaton, one of the performers for Thursday Night, and Kelly McIsaac with the Integrated Care Hub to talk about Keaton's music career as a Kingston artist and the Two Things Missing Project. Today joining us on CFRC, we have talented musician and an integral part of the Kingston hip-hop scene, Keaton, joining us to chat about your music and your upcoming performance on Thursday with the Two Things Missing Project. Welcome to CFRC, Keaton. Thanks for having me. To get us started and give our listeners just some background on your career, I was wondering if you could describe how things got started for you. I started making music when I was still a teenager. It was still novel at the time, and then um, it kind of just carried on from there. I started performing live shows around the time when I was 18. Um, started opening for some big headlining acts that came through the city. And then most recently, I just opened for um, Maestro Fresh West and Cardinal Official at the Market Square in Kingston. Yeah, awesome stuff. And uh, I was wondering if there were any uh, names, big or small, that inspired you when you were first starting off? I don't think there was any one person specifically. Mm -hmm. I think I can draw inspiration from pretty much any success story. 
um, when I was growing up, it was the same kind of thing. I never had one person that I was um, in love with. I just kind of had a rotation of artists. So pretty much anybody, you know, yeah, to put it short, not one person. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. So you've always included social commentary in your music, from what I've gathered. Has that always been the case? And why has that been important for you? Yeah, it's always been the case. I don't think it was ever something I did with an agenda in mind. Mm -hmm. um, most of my music is just written from a sincere place. And I base a lot of what I talk about off of experiences I've had. So I think it just naturally comes across as social commentary but really i'm just commenting on my life anyway yeah good um, stuff sort of turning to uh the kingston scene i think your care for your hometown here in kingston and community is exemplified by um just how dedicated you are to building the local scene here so i was wondering if you could describe a bit how the local scene has developed in the past few years in your eyes i th the biggest changes have been um the overall city's enthusiasm about hip-hop mm -hmm. uh, used to kind of just be well it still is in a lot of ways but um it just be pockets of rappers or hip-hop enthusiasts and there wasn't really a lot of attention put on um the overall city itself that dynamic change where um like the municipality and um a lot of city connected organizations are getting more excited about doing hip hop events and wanting to be involved in those kind of things. Um, I also think the general enthusiasm from the artistic perspective has changed for the better as well. I think there's a lot more youth getting into it as a serious occupation than I think there was back when I started. Um, and I think the idea of it being like a viable career in Kingston has definitely become more of like a realistic pursuit to a lot of people. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you finding there's more opportunities for hip hop performers in Kingston then? I think it's getting there, yeah. Since uh, we might hear a bit of this on Thursday night, I was wondering if you could speak a bit about the newest album that you dropped in the summer. Um, yeah, the newest album I dropped was um, If Strangers Think I'm Cool. It was kind of just a blend of like new age hip hop, um, things I was experimenting with. Uh, and I wrote over the the um covid pandemic mm -hmm. so i just had a lot of time to sit think uh play around with musical stylings and then that was kind of the uh the end result yeah good stuff will we hear a lot of that on thursday or have you uh sort of picked a, a big selection on your set list yeah I hear a mix of that in into the ep that i dropped previously oh awesome good stuff um and getting right into the event the two things missing project uh, I was wondering if you could speak a bit about this event in general and how you got involved. Yeah, so um, I do work with the Integrated Care Hub um, regularly. And um, Kelly, who we have here, approached me about doing a charity event. And since we already are um, co-workers, I said, why not? Um, essentially, we're going to be raising money for winter supplies. Um, when it gets cold out and all you have for shelter is a tent, um, it becomes imperative that you have the proper equipment to stay warm. So we're gonna be raising money to buy some um, survival equipment and just camping kits. Um, Kelly 
has a better rundown she can give you in a second but essentially the two things missing project is going to be centered around the two things missing and by that we mean affordable housing or housing in general and safe drug supply um you want to share some more about about that sure sure yeah um this was inspired basically like keaton said the that we serve at the integrated care hub um there are we have the privilege of getting to know them personally instead of just seeing them um, off to the sidelines that a lot of people do. And with the homes piece that's missing, it's a huge piece. It's it's a huge piece, but we don't really mean just home or housing is not adequate housing. We mean safe housing for the people that we serve. And like Keaton said, a lot of our people still end up having to sleep outside. There's still not a lot enough shelter beds. Um, and Keaton and I working together, it was kind of like, oh yeah, maybe we could, you know, partner up in this. And there's also a young man at the hubs, and this was a, another inspiration for me, who is an amazing freestyler and rapper. And so he kind of inspired me to go this route as well. And then with the safe supply, um, like Keaton said, people are dying. Actually, people have died more from the um, drug poisoning epidemic than than people died of COVID. And that's the way it is in Kingston and across the country. So um, those are the two missing pieces. Thank you very much for the rundown of the event. Um, I was wondering if you could also speak a bit about, um, this is a question for both you, Kelly and Keaton, the other few performers that will be taking the stage on Thursday and the speakers that you'll have at this event. I'll leave that one for you, Keaton. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I got three of the bros company. I got um, Skate Artist, 92 Rare, and Dirty Doc. Um, And it's actually pretty cool because me and Dirty Doc have never really done a... uh, together we've kind of just known each other through the scene um i want to talk about doc because um we don't usually work together but i brought him in on this his music actually speaks to drug addiction a lot more than uh, and a lot of other people's i think that people realize that um uh and i i think that overall just organized and the acts that are going to be performing like if you don't know scape he has a mix of R&B and blues with some kind of like boom bap rap. You know, he, he's kind of like old school, but he's in the new wave. It's really interesting. It's kind of like this blend. You got Rare. He's one of the top two in the city. Uh, everybody knows who Rare is. You know, he's um he's one of the arguably most gifted rappers in the city. And then, like I said, we're going to have Doc. And I really think that the four of us are just going to bring together a really cool show and kind of capture what the message of the two missing pieces really is. So yeah, that's the rundown on those guys. Like look them up. They're, they're some of the bigger guys in the city, right? So um, if you are already tapped into the Kingston scene, then you know who they are and, and you know what to expect and it's going to be a crazy show. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be an awesome show. Um, yeah, great lineup. And Kelly, I was wondering if you could uh, speak a little bit about the speaker you're having as well. Um, Justine McIsaac is the speaker that we're having, and she runs the Consumption Treatment Center. And she is an expert in her field. Like, she has many people. And, and she's one of the most sought after speakers 
in her field in Kingston as well. She speaks at Queen's University many, many times. So it's very exciting to have her join us. And she's mostly going to speak to this need of safe supply. Uh, everyone will be touched by what she has to say. One thing that we didn't mention is we're also doing naloxone training. Oh, yes, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be doing like an overdose simulation and then train people on naloxone and send them away with their own naloxone kit. So um, that's pretty exciting, too. Once again, that was local musician Keaton and Kelly McIsaac with the Integrated Care Hub talking about the Two Things Missing project. This event is on Thursday night at the Broom Factory and tickets are only $10. Be sure to get your tickets soon, available on Eventbrite. That is all things current in Kingston for this week, and thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming. Our news programming is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University, What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and the Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear.